Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, your podcast for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers here on QuadCities.com. I'm your host, Sean Leary, and today my guest is Reed Robinson. Reed has been a friend of mine for quite some time, and uh, he has been the owner of Co-op Records um, for quite a while, uh, several decades actually. Uh, Reed, how long have you been owning uh, Co-op? Uh, hey, well, first of all, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I I bought the store in '95, so uh-huh. I am into my uh, into my 26th year in, as uh, as owner. I, uh, I I worked for the company for you know a few years prior and some other record stores prior, and uh, the store has has been around since the early '70s. But I, I didn't purchase it until uh, until '95. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was around the time I moved to the Quad Cities from Chicago, actually. <clears throat> and I, I, I always remember you being the owner, pretty much. Um, so what got what got you into it? What made you decide I'm going to take the dive into um, into owning a music store, especially um, you know in the '90s? Uh, CDs are going through the roof, but then um, you can kind of see maybe a little bit on the horizon. Things are starting to become a little digitized. We're going to go into that, like how it's been for you to evolve during this time of music going increasingly digital. But what led you to um, what led you to to take the leap into ownership of the music store? Well, unfortunately, that's not uh, 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 a very good story. There's really not a whole lot to it. I was. Uh, Right out of high school, I started working in uh, in music stores. I, I started at Music Den at North Park. There were stores in North Park and South Park. Uh, I started at North Park. The uh, manager at the time, who has become a lifelong friend of mine, was very apprehensive about hiring me, but was was uh, you know because I was just a, a punk kid hanging around the record store like virtually all of my employees I've hired. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I remember the assistant manager of the store at the time uh, talked the manager into hiring me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shortly thereafter, uh, I was transferred over to the South Park location and worked there for a while. And then Music Land bought it out. Uh, and I just was... I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it at that point. It became very corporate. Um, the original store music then was a lot more like co-op. And uh-huh. We had a lot, a lot more control over inventory and, and everything. Um, not quite so much as co-op because that's all that's all me, all inventory that you know I order. Right. Uh, but uh, at that point, when Musicland took over, I had been shopping at co-op for years anyway as a kid and. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I knew the guys relatively well, and uh, I, uh, my my time at Music Land ended really abruptly. I say I quit. The manager said I was fired. Blah blah blah. Boy, Reed, we have uh, that in common. I, that happened to me too. I was an assistant manager at a Music Land, and and it was. Oh, is that right? Yes, yeah. Before I moved out here. Uh, well, I ended up. I, I literally drove straight over to Co-op mm-hmm. that day, and uh, I talked to Scott Schnabel, which it, it, pretty much anybody who knows local music knows who Scott is. But uh-huh. uh, he was uh, he was running. We had a store uh, in Bettendorf at the time, which is where our, our uh, home office was, and 
uh, I went over there, told him what happened. He hired me on the spot, and uh, from there, I, uh, I I worked in town for a while. Then I was transferred to Bloomington, Illinois, where I opened a co-op, and uh, I ran that for oh, probably just a little over a year or so. And then uh, when I moved back to the Quad Cities, it just so happened that the Davenport Locust Street location needed a manager at the time so i slipped right into that and uh a few years later basically the owner at that time who owned several co-ops uh started talking to his managers and just asked them outright hey any of you guys interested in owning your stores and uh he just he sold them all off uh to us we had several different owners at the time uh i'm kind of the last guy standing i guess uh, but that, that's how it came about. It was actually, it really wasn't even in the cards. It wasn't even something I had really considered that, that strongly. But when the offer offer came and I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty young. I'm still, uh, I don't think I, I don't even think I was quite 30 yet. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, I was 30 when I bought the store. So, you know, at this time I'm, I'm, you know, 28, 29 and this offer comes across that, looked awful good and uh that's that's just kind of how it all happened i've been there ever since now let's talk a little bit about and this is why i think you're an interesting guest is because you've seen the evolution of an industry that's changed so much from the first-hand basis and also you're kind of an archivist in terms of the local music scene and seeing that change as well and so Back in the 90s, uh, for those of you listening who, you know, either were kids in the 90s or whatever, it's just a completely, completely different time than it is now. Um, There there were a lot of music stores. There was a lot more music coming out. And music sales were huge. I mean, really, like CD sales were huge at that point. You had bands um, selling, you know, millions and millions of copies of discs because this was really before... It was right before Napster started to take off and right before music started to become digitized. It was kind of the technology was there, but it hadn't really kind of burst open yet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was uh, it was interesting when I when I first started working in music stores, it was vinyl was certainly kind of uh, i mean it was it was on its way out in a big way mm-hmm. um and cds had just kind of started taking over and everyone was just you know blown away by this you know this the, the sound coming out of this little piece that you that was uh quote unquote indestructible and and uh you know and, and convenient and you could skip tracks and blah 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 and then yeah so it it, it made sense that the industry blew up that way no no question um i mean cassettes were still uh very very viable but you know those would get eaten by the machine or you'd leave them on your dash and they'd war you know i mean so uh, as a format this kind of seemed like a, the, the the music industry savior you know and it was i mean mm-hmm. there, there's no question it, it it was it was just massive um and it, so it was interesting to see kind of no one or not many anywhere way uh, caring about vinyl at the time. Although there, you know, vinyl never completely stopped being made. That's that. I mean, right. that's something that a lot of people assume, but it never was the case. It never, it never went completely away. And there were diehard fans that stuck with it all along. But uh, it was interesting at that time. I, I mean, we could hardly give records away. We would have bins of you 
know, five for a dollar records, records that now with this kind of whole nostalgia of vinyl are are worth twenty, thirty dollars a piece. You know, I mean, it, it's just it's 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 such a it's such a strange time now to be. Um, it feels, in a way, like going back in time with people, uh, especially young people, finding vinyl as as sort of a, a new format to them now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's uh, that's a very very big difference from what was happening in the '90s for sure. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that people have have rediscovered vinyl? Aside from the obvious of like you know, some people start off as kind of contrarians and they're they're seeking the esoteric and they're like, oh well, nobody likes this anymore, so I'm going to like this. But aside from that, why do you think it it's expanded beyond that small group into something that's a little bit uh, larger in scope? Well, it's uh, it's certainly a lot larger in scope, and I, and I think that there were maybe uh, uh, initially with the resurgence of vinyl, there were there were people that thought maybe that way. I mean, there, that's always a, a you know a, a small I think contingency of things, but for the most part, I think that a lot of young buyers were very interested in the fact that it's something they weren't very used to. Mm-hmm. You know, they saw these old things collecting dust and sitting of their you know their parents or grandparents sitting in the basement, whatever, but really weren't turned on to it that much um i I see i tell you i see uh when it really started to explode again vinyl a few years ago um one of the things that i saw was a big backlash against basically the industry telling you you, if you want music now you got you got to stream it you got to download it Mm -hmm. you got you know we're not going to give you any fancy thing to open up and look at and and read through lyrics and liner notes and blah 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 this is the way you have to do it now right and i I saw an awful lot of people that just absolutely would not stand for that you know um and i think then once they started collecting vinyl they just kind of they just kind of saw how i I mean it's it's addictive yeah. It's, you know, and I think that it's it's interesting to me that uh, I've been doing this so long that, uh, you know, I'm selling to kids now that weren't born when I was selling to their parents, um, you know, and, and I say kids. I mean, there are plenty in their, you know, 20s now that, uh, you know, I saw being... I remember being pushed around in, in, in strollers in, in, in my stores and stuff, and, and they often are going back and visiting the music that their parents bought when I sold it to them the first time around. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's really interesting in that way to me that it's, it's become a very kind of generational thing. Well, it's a, yeah, I mean, you and I, you know, we're both, uh, you know, we're both of an age where we've, we grew up when we were little, it was eight tracks and then it became cassettes then it became albums and then it went to and it's really strange to have seen the morphing of the presentation of this music and i i i'm with you where i remember when things started going in a more digital direction and that was one of the things that i mourned about it was the lack of the artwork because i remember when i was a little kid like the thrill of like you'd sit there and i remember putting the vinyl record on and putting the gigantic headphones around my ears oh, yeah. so that it wouldn't pester my parents and then looking just looking at the artwork and digesting the lyrics and reading the lyrics as i was listening to the music and it was such an immersive experience in this kind of beautiful harmony with the creation of the the album and the artist 
purists. And um, you didn't get that with the digitization of music. You didn't get that, that that experience. You just got the music, and it was coming at you in a in a much different format. And um, and so it's really kind of wonderful to see so many younger people get into this and recognize that experience and to see, you know, how great that experience was. I mean, for us as little kids and growing up and stuff and to see them have that same feeling about like, hey, you know what, there are some things that you can't modernize and digitize. There are some things that, you know, you have to have that much more tangible experience to. Sure, and, and and yeah, that makes sense. And I don't, it, and it, I don't begrudge anyone for downloading music or streaming music. Right, it, it makes, I do it too. It, so it, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense for certain people in certain situations. I get that. I mean, and and um, for me, from and just my perspective, I like the idea of, and even if it's not a record, a CD, a cassette, as as long as it's a a a, a, a physical copy something tangent um i think about the packaging i think about the artworks mm-hmm. i think about, i think about the liner notes and the lyrics and all the stuff that you were just talking about the another thing that 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 um that i that i think about that's important to me is that if and i hope i can explain this uh, the way it's in my head if uh if an artist releases a, a, a full-length LPCD album, whatever. Um, I, it, it's it, in in my opinion, they are not being served. If you don't sit down and and listen to the entire record, if you don't sit down and 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 consider mm-hmm. what order they put songs in, how yeah. song number three affects song number nine, uh, there's connections there. Um, it, it, to me. To me, single song streaming and downloading, and that kind of uh, that kind of uh, immediate gratification onto the next thing um, isn't what making records is about. Right. Making, making songs and distributing <laughs> them that way online for people to download—awesome. Artists got to make their money. I, I get that, although there's not a ton of money in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me. There's a certain amount of respect, you know. I think, okay, well, the artist specifically picked this cover artwork, and like I said, put these songs in this order. They thought they really needed to start off with this track and end with this track, and and all of that plays into their vision. And to yeah. me, it's more respectful uh, for for again for me to listen to their product in that way. Right, and and that's so true. I mean, there is a, a much different experience. Um, you know, I can't. To you know, throw up one of the the most prominent al- quote unquote album artists I remember listening to when I was a little kid, and I remember listening to my parents' Pink Floyd albums, and I can't imagine Pink Floyd as a singles band. You know, you you listen. I remember so many times listening to those albums from beginning to end and looking at the lyrics and listening to them, and that's an entire experience. I mean, that's an artist that just. Their their albums are so expansive and have so many ideas and so many interesting well, things going on, and they're putting their piece together in a way that they take you on a journey. It would completely destroy that experience to take all these little things out of context and just kind of you know um, see them as as these individual parts rather than the whole. Sure, and 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 
Floyd is is clearly a, a perfect example of a, of artists like that just because the, the 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 stuff they tend to do is pretty conceptual and the concept is lost if you're only it's, it's like it's like reading you know chapter four and eight of a book well, how do you right. how do you know what the rest of it was about you know so it, i mean yeah that's a that's a great example of that very thing yeah um what are some of your favorite albums from you know beginning from beginning to end as someone who has been in music as long as you have and and um you know um who's listen to thousands and thousands of things what are some of the albums that have stuck with you over the years okay our call has failed to read so i'm going to call him back so this happens when you're doing a live podcast live on tape podcast i should say I'm not sure what exactly happened. Technical difficulties. Hi, this is Reed. I can't get to the phone right now, but leave a message and I'll call you back. Okay. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. So this is an interesting experience to for. Here we go. Here's Reed calling me back. Hey, no idea what happened there. Yeah, me either. That that all will be on the podcast actually. The, the oh, experience of me calling you, of the, the call dropping, and me calling you and getting your answering <laughs> machine will be on the podcast. So that's going to be, that's fantastic. That's why I love doing the podcast this way because there have been things like that that have popped up. Like when I've been at Theo's, there have been weird things that have happened or whatever, and it all gets caught on, on tape. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, was that your way of stalling for more time to answer the question of what your favorite albums are? Oh boy. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I have this. Uh, I have a, a real division between understanding like best and favorite. Yeah, I'm talking about favorite. I mean, everybody yeah, can. You those know, are two very different things. They yeah, can, they are. They can. They can cross. Uh, my favorites. My favorite records ever. Um, uh, the replacements. Please to meet me. Uh, Tom Waits. Rain Dogs. Um, Let's see, Joni Mitchell, Court and Spark, uh, Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique, Public Enemy, uh, Fear of a Black Planet. Um, oh boy, those are, I mean, those are some that, that, that jump to mind. REM, uh, Life's Rich Pageant. Um, I mean, I love a lot of old, uh, kind of classic country, a lot of old, uh, uh, you know, Johnny K, Louisiana Hayride uh, era, 50s, 60s country. I love a lot of that stuff. Same era jazz. I love. I like a lot of. But as far as specific records, those that I mentioned are are, mm. are definitely some of my favorites. What is it about those albums that resonate with you? Uh, right place, right time is an awful lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at uh, I can look at, at records that I think are uh, in fact I'm just going to pull one out Paul Simon Graceland Graceland is a perfect example of a record to me that is um, it's it's stellar in its production and its writing mm-hmm. and it just happened to hit me at the exact right time right uh, I think it hit, I think that record hit the world at the exact right time yeah um, but it, it, it for me uh Anyone, anyone who knows me knows what a 
replacements fanatic I am. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, for me, it was, and it's extremely trite. Uh, I, I, I've heard people say this over and over again, but it was truly 100% the case with that band. Uh, it felt to me like they were they were writing music specifically for my ears. Mm-hmm. They, I was I, I was absolutely supposed to hear what it was that that they were saying. Um, and it, how many times have you heard people say, "Oh, that band saved my life"? That you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot to that. I don't think enough uh, enough weight is given to uh, a statement like that from a lot of people. And for me, I can say. Um, if there was an artist that saved my life, it was the replacement. Have, um, just on a tangent here, um, have you? Are you a fan of Mission of Burma? Oh uh, yeah, because yeah. I know they're a big uh, influence on the replacements, and sure. I, I, I love Mission of Burma. So oh, yeah, a, yeah. I was just yeah there's a lot of stuff around that that era that uh, um, certainly a lot of it never really kind of rose to the top, right? Or to the charts or whatever, but there's there's so much from that period that I absolutely love. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of just the Minneapolis scene from that era. I'm a huge Prince fan. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dylan and Husker doing all that kind of came along with it, you know. Um, but that, that town, for me, has... has up some of my favorite artists what were you what were you like as a kid i found that i mean and i include myself among this number is you know those of us who kind of were left of center and were misfits a bit when we were kids tended to establish a much more um palpable and significant relationship with music because in part we spent so much time in our rooms listening to it alone i know like a lot of a lot of fellow music geeks like you know myself like you like you know a lot of other of our friends and stuff um I mean, I know I did. I spent a lot of, you know, a lot of time in my room just alone listening to music, and so it just had so much more of an impact on me. Uh, were you the same way? Uh, to a degree. I mean, I had, a, a, I, I guess, probably a relatively boring childhood. Um, it, I, I'm the youngest by far of, of five kids. So, but when I was growing up, I grew up as basically like an only child. Um, because everybody else was already up and out of the house, but we also our, our house was also a uh, it it was it was where everyone everyone convened every weekend. There was always people in my home, mm-hmm. so I really I really didn't have that quite uh, quite as as much that just kind of that solo time uh, that alone time. What did it for me absolutely was that uh, I had a brother, rest his soul, just in the last, well, not very long ago, actually, he passed. But he was, uh, absolutely was was where I first heard, you know, I mean, whether it was the Cocker or the Stones or, you know, real early Queen or, you know, I mean, so, so much of that just kind of uh, straight up 70s rock that, that uh, you know, our household names, I grew up on so much of that stuff with his influence, and he continued to influence the way that I listened, you know, always, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, that that's kind of, I think, where I, I, I really first got into it. Um, and, it, you know, was I listening to a lot of 
cheesy stuff in, in, in junior high and high school? Of course I was. Everybody did. Um, but uh, I think that's kind of where it all started was with, was with my brother. What are some of those guilty pleasure records that you have that you still like, you know, enjoy listening to? Well, first of all, I, I, I don't. I don't believe in the term guilty pleasure. Right, me either. Me either. I think if yeah, something makes you, like, you happy, you know, then it, it makes you happy. You know, I don't. I don't care what anybody. Anything that's cultural, anything that's artistic. I mean, if you if you want to like this painting that everyone else thinks is garbage, then do it. It doesn't right. matter. It, 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 I mean, that, that, that's that's kind of how I look at that. Especially uh, now with the world being as shitty as it is in so many ways, anything that brings you joy, let's just let people have their Nickelback yeah. and their Creed and whatever. I mean, I don't care. I, I don't I care for it, care. but let people have it. Let people be happy. If it makes right, exactly. If you enjoy it, go for it. I mean, uh, and and I've said things like that before and had people respond. Well, of course you're going to say that. You're you, you want to sell them records. I want to sell people records that they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, I mean, if it's what good is it doing me to go here? You're really going to love this, and then have them hate it. You know, listen to what you like. I, I, I mean, so that so that's I, I, in a way that's kind of what what I mean by not uh, really believing in the guilty pleasures thing. Sure. So you're uh, antithetical to I, the guys at uh, High Fidelity. <laughs> the, what's that? You're antithetical to the workers at well, High Fidelity. I've known plenty of those guys. Trust yeah. me. Uh, and and that movie is hits so close yes. to home you can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, you know things that people wouldn't maybe expect me to like, or a lot of people think. You know, hey, maybe why? Why would you get into that? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I think I, I I kind of um, compartmentalize things too. It's like okay, I'll stop and I'll oh, all right. Pop music, radio pop. Okay, that's the first thing that people are gonna go. Oh, really? You would listen to you know? You listen to that? Uh-huh. I, if it's good, it's good. I think George. I think George Michael's Faith is a great, great pop record. Mm-hmm. Thriller is a great, great pop. Record. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do I listen to Taylor Swift CDs? I, I don't, but that's, you know, she writes her own music. She plays her own good. Uh, why would you not give credit to somebody in an, in, in an industry doing something like that? Right. So for me, it's, 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 uh, I've never really understood the whole, uh, oh my God, how, how could you listen to that? Or how would, why would you go to see that movie? That's just a waste of time. And eh, did you enjoy it? Well, then it wasn't a waste of time. Right. So I mean that's kind of how I feel about all of that stuff. I I I, I have never never judged like the, like the uh, the high fidelity guys. You know, uh-huh. I mean I've never judged anyone for saying, "Wow, you 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 really don't know what you're doing if you're listening to that." That makes no sense to me. So you're not going to side eye me for liking Harry Styles. Hey, those are good records. They are good records. They're yeah, really I mean, good pop records. I say that to people all the he, time. They're like, a, "You really do?" And I'm like, "Seriously, they're really good pop records. They he, sound he's a phenomenal." Guy. Do I have Do I have it sitting in my house? No. Is it ever going to sit in my house? Highly unlikely. But are they good records? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And that's just, there is a lot of commercial pop nowadays where I'll listen to it and I'll go, "I actually like that." That's sonically, it's really interesting. I mean, it's it's there's some really cool cool stuff. So. If an artist releases a pop record and it and it, it uh, and you have fun and enjoy it and you can't get portions of it out of your head, well, then they've done exactly what they set out to do. So that's yeah, that's that's a win for me. Right, right. Um, you know? So 
having seen uh, concurrently with you know the music scene in the kind of the macro sense and the national sense you've also on a smaller level you've been you know there to see the um the the local music scene and how it's grown and changed over the years um what are some things that you've observed i know that you know um your friends, you and I are both friends with a lot of folks, you know, the Tripmaster guys, Einstein sister bands like that. And we saw, like, during the 90s, there was this really a renaissance, I think, of the of Quad Cities of Local Music, where you had, like, so many bands that were, like, signed to little indie labels, or, like, Tripmaster was signed to a major label, but they were putting out really great records. Um, and we've seen sort of an ebb and wane of the local music scene over the years. From some, from your perspective, what do you see the local music scene? Um, you know, having gone through, where do you see it right now? How do you look at it through the t- through the last couple decades and where it's where it's gone? Well, um, number one, there's always going to be records and artists that no one ever hears about that are so local and independent uh that that, that's a shame to me because oftentimes those records are every bit as good as uh you know those released by artists who are making millions of dollars yeah that but that's that's never going to change i mean i i I, you know those those ones that happen to uh happen to hit and stick that deserve it awesome you know but um I, I have seen in the past, I, I, I've seen a lot of uh, even just kind of some snarky uh, kind of infighting between local artists and things over the years. Sometimes things like that have happened. I think right now we're in a very interesting time when nobody basically can get out there and play. Right. Um, in that right now, I sense more of a community. It, with the with the local music industry now than I than I have more than I have in quite a while, um, and I think it's because hey, when you get slapped in the face and you're all in the same boat, uh, you know you want that guy next to you to root for you, right. so you're kind of rooting for them. So I see that I kind of have seen that happening um, currently. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, it uh, once once software came out where it made it very easy for people to sit at home, record their own stuff, and release digitally. Um, certainly a lot more of those people are getting, the local artists are, are, are getting heard. Um, they're not necessarily making a bunch a bunch of money doing it that way, but right. it's uh, at least you're getting your voice out there. The the uh, the other side of that coin, however, is that there is this massive glut now. I think of of, of, of digital music out there that you got to really kind of kind of pick and choose and sort to find the the good stuff, or at least the stuff you really you really like. Yeah. Um, locally, uh, how do I want to say this? We've we've done we've worked with local musicians for for decades. We mm-hmm. do all of their music on consignment if they want to bring product to sell through me we've we've done that for for years and years um you know i don't make a penny unless they sell that kind of thing all fully consignment that's been that's something we've supported forever that's and that's not anything that uh that we're gonna change as long as 
as long as those local musicians can get back together and get more get more product recorded, I know right now that's extremely difficult to do unless you're doing it all, um, you know, just separately. Right. Uh, but you know the the. There are certain local bands. Lynn, I'll give Lynn Allen a plug. I mean, they've been doing something so they've been doing something right for so long that their support is is still very very strong. Yeah, uh, and they're they're an example of somebody that that comes out of the quads that have um, really become kind of big fish in the small pond, which works perfectly in a market like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, you know, certainly. Not, um, you know, not so, not, not as lucky as a band like that uh, to be able to have legs. But uh, you know, I, I don't really see a, a ton of change in uh, the artists themselves necessarily. The the styles and everything around this market they've opened up, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a, a lot of kind of uh, um, standard classic bar rock local bands. Uh, we'll never die. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be, the, you know, I mean, that's, they're, they're here for the duration, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of new music, the two genres that seem to be ascendant in the Quad Cities are metal and hip-hop. Metal? Well, yeah, I mean, you've got a pretty heavy metal, you know. Well, I'm talking. I'm not talking metal like glam metal. I'm talking like you know, yeah, yeah. hard rock, like you know, Closet Witch and bands like that. Yeah, which and and we have uh, my store, the Moline location. I mean, that's that's the only one now. But back when there were several co-ops, uh, you, you know, you had specific genres that uh, that did better store to store. One of the reasons why. I love independent stores. We, you know, we could order accordingly. You know, what, somebody wasn't telling me. You know, you have to stock fifty copies of this uh, whatever ABBA record, but we're not going to send you any Metallica. Well, I got a bunch uh-huh. of Metallica fans. You know, right? So, and that for the Moline location has been around as long as I have. Metal has been really strong in that location uh, for me since day one, um, and. It has such uh, uh, such a loyal loyal fan base mm-hmm. that that just kind of never went away. It seemed what uh, and uh, when a lot of people thought it would, well, that's never going to last. Same with rap. Well, that's never going to last. That's never. Guess what? Here we are, thirty years down the line, right? <laughs> you know, um, and they th- that stuff still ha- there's so much interest in it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of small town aggression can be you know can be uh, uh displayed through through those means mm-hmm. and i think that that uh I, it's great it's great i mean and, and again it's personal uh personal interest aside the idea that there are local bands that are, are what no matter what kind of stuff that they do that are uh, that are being successful is awesome where do you see music going in the future Not, I mean, in terms of not just in terms of genres and the creative process, but also in terms of the music industry and record stores. Well, uh, uh, the, yeah, okay, that's uh, all right, very different. Well, the, the industry itself has, I, I feel that it shot itself in the foot so many times over the right. past several years that 
I think it's just kind of running scared, trying to figure out how to how to how to how to make money, mm-hmm. how to make their artists make money for them. Uh, it's a very different thing. Labels used to be extremely supportive of individual artists out on the road, and and uh, it just it really the, the industry is it, that's not what it is anymore. Um, which is odd because in a way that's really the only way that the artists can make money is right. to get them out on the road. You know, um, otherwise they're making fractions of pennies. You know, per song for right. download, whatever. Um, so the industry, uh, it, it's it, it's as much of a mystery to me, and it has been for years. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I I I don't think we'll see the days again where um, specific individual artists are really, really highly supported by by their labels. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know how we would get back to that, even though that's the way that I, you know, I personally think that the industry ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as record stores in the future, I, I uh, nostalgia, nostalgia is huge. You know, I think that they, I think that the record stores, and there are independent record stores popping up more again uh, than there than than there had been for several years. Um, but I think a lot of that is playing on nostalgia, and the, and, the, and clearly the resurgence of vinyl is the big reason for that. Right. Um, so, you know, will will there be big mega chains again? I I, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, and, and clearly with 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 online ordering and everything, it certainly isn't just the music industry. There are so many different. Uh, there, there are so many different industries that it's just it's a different beast now right you know um so do i feel confident that i will be able to uh, go on a trip someplace and find a record store to walk into i feel pretty confident about that do i feel confident that i'll find two or three of them competing in the same market unlikely mm-hmm. um of course depending upon market size but um and as far as music goes, to me, how, how let's pause for just a second. Where how has COVID accelerated that? I mean, we've seen obviously it's more difficult for retail outlets and it's more difficult for artists to tour, which has completely upended the music industry. And um, you know, how do you think that that has it has impacted the retail industry in terms of people being able to find a music store and music, you know, that they can come in and, and find? Yeah. Well, it's certainly COVID has made, like I was saying, COVID has made not just my industry but all industries. Right. A, a, it's just a different animal now. Um, so. I think that if, if people find if people who are considering opening new music stores uh, find that they can make a bigger profit margin and be more successful online, online uh, maybe that's the way you'll start seeing more stores open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as physical locations, brick and mortar, uh, like I say, I mean they are they, that's that's happening currently. Well just prior to covid i mean there was it was certainly happening where more and more were popping up loans were actually getting to be slightly easier to get uh bank loans for for music retail for years and years nobody wanted to even look at that it's like well 
you know, I, I, how are you going to pay your bills selling a used record for a dollar? Well, that's not the industry anymore. Those right. same dollar records, as I stated, are now, you know, $10. Right. So if that continues, if that continues, I could certainly see even more and more stores opening. Um, but, I mean, clearly COVID is, and I will tell you that as soon as restrictions were lifted, and we were, I was shut down for a couple of months, uh, but as soon as we were able to allow people back in again, um, it, it was hugely successful just because people wanted to have some place they could go. You know, they, they and you can go to the record store and put on a mask and stand six feet away from somebody and sit and, and just stand and, you know, shoot the shit all for hours, um, which is people haven't been able to do that because of the lockdown and et cetera, et cetera. So we were lucky in that we were able to get out of it to this point, pretty much unscathed. Um, you know, I got some, you know, certainly get some, uh, some state health payment protection loans, blah, blah, blah. Right. I was able to take advantage of some of that stuff, uh, and get through it now. And I believe that we'll get on, we will get on the other side of this and, you know, there's, there's a light at the end of that really, really dark tunnel, but I think the opportunities for people to open up music stores in the future absolutely viable. And how, what about the music scene? Where do you see the, the music scene just in general kind of going? Well, a, a lot of what is happening right now, or at least what is, is really getting recognized and rising kind of to the top, um, for me, a lot of it's not my style. A lot of it is is is, is kind of lazy. Uh, I hope I have my fingers crossed that, uh, uh, in my opinion, some quote unquote better stuff starts really getting noticed again. But right now, the industry I think doesn't. It kind of doesn't even know what it wants to be. It's a. It's it's just. It's you know. It's it's kind of so all over the place. Uh, and it, it almost seems, I don't want to say, it almost seems gimmicky to me that I think it's very calculated. There are certain artists that sit out there and go, okay, what can I do that's going to set me apart? I know I'll, uh, what, I'll release a, a country rap record or, right. you know, I'll hybrid some things that have already worked in the past and see if it sticks to the wall, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it and unfortunately, I think that that is what the, the big money in the industry right now uh, is being made by artists like that. In my opinion, I mean there are always there are always exceptions. Certainly, some wonderful, wonderful new artists that are out there. But like I said before, sometimes you got to kind of dig around to find them because there's such a glut out there. Yeah, that's um, the thing that's so difficult is finding that needle in the haystack and finding yeah, things, really you know, because there's so much. You know, I, I mean, I think if you're online and you listen to something and uh, and you like it and it says, hey, you like that artist, try these. Right. I mean, things like, that are, things like that are great. Oftentimes, I don't see the connection. But, uh-huh. I mean, at least there's, there's somebody's out there trying to help you in the right direction and that's nice well that's another thing i was going to ask you about is that that is one of the positives in regard to um the new technology is that 
uh, it does help you with the suggested artists. It'll it'll push you. The algorithms will push you in a certain direction to help you discover acts that you may not have heard of before. Whether you know, regardless of the media, whether it's Spotify or it's e- even YouTube or whatever, they're going to push you in a certain algorithm direction. Yeah, and I learn about new artists all the time like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I there are so so many that I've you know are completely I, I'm just oblivious to and right. like oh. Well, so-and-so says, if I like this, check it out. I, I may not like it, but I will check it out. Right. And that's, that's I mean, so clearly that's, uh, you know, that, that process works. Right. Any Anything else that you wanted to talk about? Of course, there, there is one thing I wanted to ask you about, and that is our, our shared love of the movie Boogie Nights. What? Uh, both of, both of us love that movie and have quoted it liberally to each other. Um, what what is it about that movie that you enjoy so much that you that you find to be so compelling? Oh my god! It, it is a masterpiece of filmmaking. It's so audacious, and you know everything about it—the way that you know P.T. Anderson put it together, to the acting, to you know the casting—it's it's just to me, it's just an absolutely brilliant film. It's, yeah, I agree. I agree. It is. It, uh, it it's endlessly quotable, which is a which is a big thing. Uh, you know, I mean that. Oftentimes, my favorite movies uh, do tend to be that way. Uh, I like the structure of that film a lot. I like the writing. I, I mean, it's uh, and it's just a it's just a lot of fun. Right. A, that movie's a blast. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, movie junkie to begin with so that's uh but yeah that's that that's that's one of my favorites yes somewhere around here i've got a tape of when i interviewed rick springfield and i you know said to him ricky springfield he's a buddy of mine and had him like crack up at that so <laughs> well good at least he knew what it was yes exactly i, I did not have anyone like throwing fu- firework firecrackers in the background unfortunately so <laughs> Um, but uh, any anything anything else that you'd like to talk about that we have not talked about? Um, well, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, uh, I, I I've said this all along. Hey, if you can't if you're interested in music, you can't buy a record from me. Go buy it from somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I would I I would rather. Uh, you know, if you if you if you're not in my uh, end of the quads and you want to buy a record, you're in Rock Island. Go to Ragged. Go see Bob, or you know, just go see John over there. Whoever I, I want to getting music into people's hands. That's what's most important. If it can be from me, awesome. If not, cool. Get it wherever you can. Cool. Well, Reed, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. I think it's been a fascinating conversation. Yeah, man. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you thinking of me. Thank you. And thank you for listening to QC Uncut, uncut, uncensored, unedited conversation with local newsmakers. Again, I'd like to thank uh, my guest today, Reed Robinson. And um, check out Co-op Records if you're looking for some great music and just looking for a really cool spot in the Quad Cities that is distinct and unique from anywhere else. Um, head over to Co-op in Moline and uh, take a walk around. It's a really cool spot, really cool place. So thanks a lot again for listening. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.